Broadcasting since 1994, you're listening to KPSU. It's Portland's College Radio, and we're streaming worldwide 24-7 at kpsu.org. The views and opinions expressed in the following program do not rep- necessarily represent KPSU, Portland State University, or any of our participating affiliates. Listening discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Shit. You already just cut. No, I didn't mean to. I that didn't. <laughs> I it was like a half. It was an sh. It was just sh. Hello, everyone. I forgot to put the list up. Actually, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Sorry, <laughs> Welcome. Was, you put a lot of responsibility on me immediately. <laughs> Welcome to episode fifty-seven mm-hmm. of Ear Ape with my. Okay, transition. Welcome to Ear Ape with Milo Loza. This is this is the show where we talk about my week. Except this week, we're not going to do that. Mm. This week, I have yet another comedian from Portland. Here in the station. Hello, Lucas. Hello. Can I, do you mind if I say your last name? Do you? Yeah. Want yeah. All right, Lucas Cop. Oh God. Thank I you know. for being here. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, I, hi. Hi. I'm sorry. Why are you confused? <laughs> We've been talking for like I an know, hour. I know we were doing fine. Uh, how are you? How's, I'm good. How's your day been? It's been really good. I can't stop smiling. I'm in a studio. I'm on a radio show. It's my first yeah. radio show. Yeah, man. I'm yeah. really happy to have you on. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, I should have been on here before. The last guy. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no qualms. I'm happy he was here. <laughs> Am I allowed to say his name? Uh, yeah. Because he was here? Sir, yes. Mickey Gibson. He I, heard me. You know what? I, now that you've said his name, I totally did not... Prom- like, you're not allowed to promote things on this radio mm-hmm. show, so I'm not going to promote him right now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even mention that he has a podcast mm-hmm. called the, the Chromecast, Chromecast Podcast. podcast. Uh, I'm not saying that people should listen to it. I'm just no, saying no, that No, but it, you it can find it on Spotify, though, it, if you were to. It is on Spotify. That is true. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Ear Ape. We're live. Mm-hmm. It's 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Uh, it is November 19th, 2022, and today's word of the week is flippant. Mm. Flippant. Mm. It means not showing a serious or respectful attitude. Yeah, it was pretty flippant, me, in the beginning, saying that cuss word, huh? It was a bit flippant. I know, my bad. I gotta say. My bad, but hey, <laughs> for the love of the word, flippant. Flippant. No. Lucas, mm-hmm. you're from Portland, right? Yeah, born and raised. Portland, Portland, or like near, near Portland? Southeast Portland, yeah. All right. Have you... Did you... What what was the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Or what what was the established thing? Country singer. Actually. Yeah, I wanted to be a country singer, then I wanted to be a rapper, and then I wanted to be a comedian. What ages and what caused the, the changes? I had an MP3 player, and I used to listen to, honestly, what, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That song really got to me. I was like probably third, probably between like second and, probably first and third grade wanted to be a, a country singer. And then between third and sixth grade, I had no dreams. <laughs> and then, and then from sixth grade to uh, to probably freshman year, wanted to be a rapper. Gave up on that as a white dude. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I discovered I wanted to be a comedian. Uh, beginning of junior year of high school. So you've never had a plausible dream no no i've never understood why anyone would want to do anything but be an idiot that is true it is weird to, to me that there's people like man i can't wait to go to school and learn to become a doctor insane to me that sounds hard and stupid rough i wouldn't have fun at all yeah you know i like doing what i do junior year what what, con- what? incited it yeah i think i always I, I think being funny was always like my personality you know what i mean like i think i some i remember at some point i used to think like i i don't 
I don't do anything but try to be funny. Like, I don't have actual conversations with people. Like, I'm just trying to be goofy. You know, and I think it was like a deflection thing. It's usually where it comes from. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of deep instantly because, I, I mean, I watched my mom die when I was a... Uh, Whoa. Yeah, no, I watched my mom die uh, right in, like, junior year, the beginning of junior year. And then I think, like, I didn't let anyone know. I didn't want anyone to know. So I think I got funnier because I was, like, constantly deflecting things. You know what I mean? Wow. I, yeah, no, I think that's really where it stems from. You know, I mean, a lot of things stem from things like that. You know, deep off the jump. 11 listeners are still there. You see that? But, yeah, yeah. no, that's what happened. You just, I, I've never said how many listeners have been on this show. You, oh. just, you just ruined that fourth wall. I mean, it's not 11. It's like 11,000. 11, 11 million. 000. That's usually what I say, yeah. 11 million. There's 11 million people here. Let me, let me show them up. love, though. You got to make them appreciate you. We love them. Hold on, hold on. Say, say some words really quick. Uh, seven words. Oh, yes. Okay. The words, I, except for yeah, those seven. I'm putting them up that way you don't screw up. Is the S word on there? It's, it's The S word is on there. It's crap. No. All right. Uh, Sorry, sorry, I should have done this before. No, I see that. Do you see it well enough? Yeah, I'm, I see I'm him. trying to zoom in. Okay. I wonder if George Carlin ever did radio. I think he, like, you think, like, had a radio show or... he or... been on a radio show. I feel like he was very anti-radio just with this bit. Hmm. Impressive. I think he was certainly on the radio. But, yeah, I think it's hard to choose why or, like, figure out why someone does comedy. Like, why do you do comedy? What made you want to do it? Hmm... That is hard, you're right. It is hard. That's why, I mean, but it's it's going to be deep regardless, I would say. I guess, like, what what made you realize it was achievable? Like, it was something you could pursue and get to? I remember, so I decided I wanted to do it when I was 17. I just, And I almost did the talent show in my high school when I was 17. I was going to go do a stand-up routine at 17 after never doing comedy in yeah. front of my whole high school. And then I, you know, no. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Can we say the B word? The B word isn't on there. You can say the B word. You know, I was a bitch, okay? I got nervous. I didn't want to do that. So I waited, and then uh, I think I was 18. I was 18 and a freshman in college, and I just saw it, like, written on a whiteboard, open mic, and it was in Eugene. And I saw, like, open mic, comedy open mic, da-da-da, and all written. I have the picture of it. I took a picture of it. So Fresh, I actually, yeah. Freshman in college? Yeah, freshman in, in college. It was in Eugene? Yeah, and I saw it written on a whiteboard, and I realized I could just go to an open mic and do it. Who wrote that? Was there someone else in the class doing it? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ran by a U of O. It was a U of O open mic. Oh, wow. So I just went to this peach shop, watched some people do comedy, and they were terrible. I just meant I just meant to go watch, and they suck so bad. I was like, this is this is doable. And I did it. You got on stage that day? Yeah, the day I did that, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it went okay, too. It didn't go that bad. I don't know what I said, but I don't remember bombing. Like how... Uh, <laughs> hmm. When I first started, I, I went. I found an open mic. It was 30 minutes away from me. I had to pay $5 a park each time. Hmm. I went for like eight weeks before I gained the courage. Hmm. Like I was putting together a set the whole time and just like practicing, and then finally I hit the stage. But you just, you just showed up, and you were like, I could do this right now. Yeah, no, I'm hilarious. That's wow. how I felt. I felt, can I say the, the D word? You yeah. can't. I can't say, damn, okay. That's nice. Damn and bitch, that's pretty nice. Yeah. That's all I need. <laughs> that's all I need on my tool belt. But yeah, no, that's how I, because they were, you don't understand how bad they were, though. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't watching people do bad, doesn't that give you some type of confidence? It, absolutely. Yes. I, I, I seek it. I hope, yeah, <laughs> I love when, <laughs> I love when new people come in. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, and that's how I was. I watched, like, three people 
four people, five people just bomb back to back to back with this, this going nowhere with their jokes. And I was like, I, I could go up there and just say things and do better than this. And yeah, yeah, it went okay. How did you, like you just, because one of the questions I have is, mm-hmm. is how does, how did you craft your first set, but you didn't even craft a first no, set? No, no. I remember I said like a joke, like what if your sword went flaccid and then you tried to sheath it and it just... I don't know. Something like that. I don't know what I said. I made fun of some lady's tattoos, her zodiac sign tattoos. Mm-hmm. I just went up there and talked. How do you... Like... Uh, how did you learn to craft a set? Did you, how did, like, how did I you, do craft a set. Did you keep kind of going up with nothing until you learned that? Or how did that come about? When I first started... Because I, I think about this a lot. When I first started, I actually... Um, I would write my set in the bar. Like, I'd go an hour early, and I would sit down and figure out what I was going to say within the bar, and uh, I'd go up and try and do that. Like, because I remember when I first, not, like, when I first started going to Portland, when I first started comedy in Portland, I'd go to Captain Ankeny's. Can I say that? Can I say what bar yeah, I went yeah. to? I went to Captain Ankeny's, and I started in 2018, and at that time, it still is, like, it's all comics mic, you know? Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was kind of a popping all comics mic ran by this lady i don't know but it, it was popping and it was all comics so i was just 18 years old with all these grown grown ass men can i say ass yeah yeah grown ass men grown ass adults trying to make my my little jokes i was doing like president impressions you know and i would just go there <laughs> and write sorry um ask not what your country can do for you but ask what you can do. I learned it from Black Ops 2. You can play as John F. Kennedy in Black Ops 2. And I picked that up. I, I don't know. I don't want to do anymore. Okay, they bombed. Minute, I abandoned yeah. these these premises. That's wrong. You cannot play as John F. Kennedy in Black Ops 2. Not Black Ops 2. One of the Black Ops is right. I'm just positive in that one you cannot. It's Black Ops 1, maybe. Maybe. More of a like, yeah, okay. All right. Black Ops 1. Yeah. But all I'm <laughs> saying is he's a character in one of these Modern Warfare games. You, you know, I learned his voice from there. But it didn't work, you know. But that's kind of where I took my licks, you know, and you, I don't know. I, I think that's, I think when you're first starting, it's a good idea because your material is going to suck, mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, I still use a lot of material, though, from when I first started. Kinda. Not that's, really. Would you mind telling one? Um, like a lot of my jokes, uh, my girlfriend calls me homophobic because I wouldn't let her eat my ass. Mm-hmm. Which hurt my feelings because I'm not homophobic. It's just hard to explain to someone as they try to pry your legs open. I wouldn't let her eat my ass for the same reason I won't do cocaine. I know I'll love it. Pretty good. I like it, yeah. Yeah, it's a good joke. But I've always enjoyed watching yeah. That's a joke from when I first started like in my my new my my new era, like post COVID. Because I have like two it's hard for me to even say how long I've been doing comedy because I started at eighteen and then you do those two years and then COVID happens. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I came back. But that's probably like the oldest joke from my new run. Wait, I'm sorry, can you say that again? You started and then COVID... Uh, yeah, started started 2018. You go for two years, did two years, and then 2020 happens. Mm-hmm. And I became a UPS driver for a year. Did that, saved up money, quit, and then became a, you know, started doing this. Did you say that you don't you don't count those first two years? I do. Mean? It's just hard because I only did it once a week. Okay. You know, I feel like it's harder to count that. Yeah. You know, once a week just doesn't do as much for you. Like, you can exercise once a week. You're not going to get yoked. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be very imposing by the end of a year. And why why were you doing it once a week? Because I was a child. People kept kicking me out. Yeah, I was about to say, I started at 18, mm-hmm. and I was I kept getting kicked out. Yeah. You I, just find the mics you can go to. Well, I only found one I could go to, and so I would go every week. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was one where, like, if you didn't show up early on time, if you didn't get early enough, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't get on the list. So then I would just have to go home. And so I wasn't even doing mm-hmm. it once a week. Yeah, no, that's rough, too. And it's like, that's harder for younger comics. There's like, have you ever seen the 11-year-old comic, though? 
Do you ever see her? Yeah, you ever see her at Captain Ankeny's? No. 11 years old. She's like an 11 year old little girl, and she has all the, she has school shooting jokes. She has jokes about like, what do you want to be when you're older? Like, what do you mean the world's on fire? Like jokes like that, and it just hits really hard because it's coming from this child. And she would just kill Captain Ankeny's, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's a it's not the it's a rough mic sometimes. Like it's all comics, and she would just murder it, and make it feel like a show. And then I'd have to follow her and be like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? You know? Uh, but it's also cool because, like, her mom lives in Idaho and she'll drive her kid down there to do this mic once a week. You know? That's why I kind of talk about, like, so I've talked about this with other people before. Like, when you think Dave Chappelle, you think Eddie Murphy, they have, like, super supportive parents that kind of guided them on their journey. You know, like, a lot of people don't have that really? support. Yeah, like, Dave Chappelle, went, he went to that art school, he went to an art Never. school. And uh, he knew he wanted to be a comic at, like, 13, and he told that to the art school, and they actually created a curriculum for him, like, around being a comic. Mm -hmm. You know, so he had that advantage. Like, Eddie Mert, like, and his mom started taking him to comedy clubs at, like, 13, 14. So, like, Mm -hmm. I like like to think about this, like, success is often based off of um, uh, natural talent, yes, but it's also natural talent meeting an opportunity, like what Dave Chappelle had. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which kind of worries me sometimes, but also I started at 18. I don't, like, you know. I'm not that far behind, I guess. Yeah. You know, those things are interesting to think about, though. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, back on crafting a set, how do you think you've hmm. evolved? Do you think you, you've you noticed mm-hmm. how you, have you evolved? Because mm-hmm. I, I pretty much, I, I kind of craft my sets the same way I did my first one, but I'm just <laughs> way better at it where I could show up to the mic and just kind of figure it out before I go up. Mm-hmm. How have you evolved i've always i write it five minutes at a time and i try to stitch those five minute sets because we only get five minutes at open mics Mm -hmm. so it's like if you can perfect this five minutes and then attach it to another five minutes you can build five ten fifteen twenty i mean so at first i think about building a five minutes and then i also like i write a lot and then i try to look at my long lists of jokes and then put them together in a way that makes sense like if there's jokes about a certain thing i'll put those jokes together and then I'll, that's how I make the five-minute sets. Like, I'll write a lot, and then I'll find the stuff that is connected, and then I'll put them together, write segues, and, uh, yeah, make a five-minute set, and then try to stitch it together to another five-minute set. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I build. Like, I, I have a 20. I can do 20 right now. I probably have a solid 20. And I think that's how I built it. That's sweet. Yeah. Did you tell your family or how soon did you if you did i didn't do it the first when i started at 18 no one knew i did comedy no one did knew i did comedy until i got good i didn't want anyone to know until i was good how long did that take (laughs) three years (laughs) and probably two years probably two years Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't want anyone to know until i was good yeah wow so so yeah i started so yeah i started no one knew anything no one was like where have you been no one knew a thing no wow i'm pretty secretive until until i wanted people to know that's really i i came home from my mm-hmm. first open mic. I had been going each week, mm-hmm. and I came home when I finally went up, and my mom was like, "Where, where were you? Where mm-hmm. were you right now?" And I was like, "I, I, did, I just did an open mic." That's dope, though. <laughs> I guess so. It was kind of mm-hmm. a sweet moment, but it was—it is. It was embarrassing. Yeah, I to, mean, you think everything's embarrassing. I guess though, so. Man. This yeah, is what yeah. you do. You have to just be who you are and do what you do. It's yeah. fine. I, I feel like I should kind of introduce. I don't think I introduced you well enough. Lucas mm. is a. A comedian here around mm-hmm. Portland, he's he might be the first person to be nice to me around the scene, like the first person to kind of talk that. to me and reach out, and uh, and I, I've always appreciated that. He's he's Thank a you. very nice fellow. He's uh, well respected here in Portland, from what I've seen. Uh, 
Yes, hmm. this is Lucas Cop. Thank you, thank you. No, I try hard to be nice to everybody. I feel like if you're mean to, because like I, feel like I try to be nice to people that are even like like new. You want to be nice because people aren't nice to new comics. Mm-hmm. People hate new comics. Hate that people. They hate those people. I don't know why. I mean, I get it. I mean, they want you to be good first. You got to like pay your dues or whatever. It's like a weird mentality, though. Also, it's like if you're nice to people when they're new, if they get good, maybe they can help me out <laughs> later. I don't know. Well, this this brings me to to uh-huh. one of my my favorite questions. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. But do you think that a do you think that lower tier comedians should speak to higher tier comedians? <laughs> <laughs> like they unless, shouldn't even be allowed to talk. To yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it should be allowed. I just didn't feel like when yeah. I was a lower tier comic, I'm scared of talking to higher tier comics. Like I don't even yes. want to. Like I went to see Mark Norman live, and after his show, he stood off to the side. He stood at right in front of the doors at Helium, was just shaking people's hands and talking to them. And I was too nervous to talk. I was like, I don't even deserve to talk to this man. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave. You know. But mm-hmm. that's changed recently. I'll talk to anybody. I met Dave Chappelle. Have I ever told you about that? No. I met you, Dave Chappelle. I fully shook up Dave Chappelle. You shook up Dave Chappelle? Full, like, <laughs> saw him at a strip club. <laughs> I thought, I, I did hear that. Yeah, you went to a strip club. I, w- I thought it was like, you, you were going to talk to him, but his bodyguards got... No, that happened after. Okay. It happened after. <laughs> okay. No, he talked. Because I tried to talk to him. See, like, I, we, we saw Dave Chappelle. We went to see Dave Chappelle live at the Moda Center. And then afterwards, they were like, let's go to the strip club as the boys. You know, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And then we went to this random strip club. And the, the opener of, from Dave Chappelle's act was uh, smoking a cigarette outside. And we were like, that's weird. And then we went to try and get inside. And a security guard stopped and said, this is a private event. You can't get in. And then we we're like, okay. And then we saw a bunch of black SUVs out front. We we're like, Dave Chappelle's in there right now, isn't he? He has to be. Mm-hmm. So we left and then came back the next night. And we were just hanging out because we were like, it has to be a fun strip club. We were just hanging out, drinking drinks. And then at like 10.30, one of the strippers came and tapped me. I was like, Dave Chappelle's coming back. He's going to be here in 30 minutes. The stripper tapped you? Yes. Told you that yes. I don't know why she knew, but she came and tapped us that. And, and then why, why are you? Why, why did she know you wanted Because we were the only people in the strip club. It was like just me and my friend, my, you know, mm-hmm. me and my DJ, mm-hmm. you know, just kicking it. And then uh, the first his bodyguards came in, took everyone's phone, put them in those little lock patches pouches and then you know he just came in came right up to the bar started ordering wait wait, wait. they they had people come in and grab your yeah phones? yeah his security guards came in and did a sweep of the strip club and took everyone's phones and put wow. them in a, pa- a pouch so they couldn't record what he was doing yeah and uh yeah he went straight up to the bar ordered a drink and i was on one i don't know what it was but i just walked right up to him and i was like Mr. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I shook his hand. And I mean, this is pretty hard. At the end of his set, he said, uh, at the end of his set at the Moda Center, he said, right now, everyone in this building is living my dream. But my dream for you is to one day make me live yours. You know, so I shook him up and I said, I don't know if I'm living your dream right now or if you're living mine. And he like pointed at me with that Dave Chappelle smile. And I was like, yep. That's awesome. It was awesome. That's such a It was line. awesome. It was cool. It would have been cool if I left it at that. Because you know, I started getting drunker throughout the night, and then I walked up to him again, and I was like, so was that whole set, like, written out, or did you just kind of wing it? And then his big brother kind of grabbed me by the collar, said, why you keep touching Dave Chappelle like he's a bitch? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. So that's you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, and then at some point, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I could talk about this on the radio. I was a problem that night. And then at the end of the day, I got kicked out. They blew out my slipper. I got thrown out. But maybe Dave Chappelle remembers me, you know, <laughs> maybe because I did get kicked out pretty, uh, you know, in a nice, in a fun way. <laughs> like you, like you got tossed out. I got fully tossed out by like, by the belt, <laughs> by the back of the belt. 
You're not even joking right now? No, I'm not joking at all. I still have a blown-out slipper from when I got kicked out of Dave Chappelle's fucking strip. Sorry, that's two. God, no. Oh, I'm sorry, you did it in No, it's okay. But yeah, Dave Chappelle, he came, and it was like a stripperoki bar, so he was just singing. He was singing, Carrie. He got on the stage. He had all, like, 15 strippers dancing at the same time, and he was just singing songs while throwing thousands of dollars. Wow. It was amazing. That's amazing. It was amazing. I had no idea of any of that. Yeah, cool. That was really goddamn cool. Yeah, that's how, honestly, the comedy world, I don't know, it's called like layers of separation or something, where it's Mm. like, um, we all, like, you know someone who knows someone who knows someone at the top. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. we're not that, like, especially the comedy world is much smaller than we think. You know what I mean? Like, I met Dean Del Rey. Dean Del Rey opened uh, for Marcus King. I went to a Marcus King concert. He opened, he was like, a, he was the host. He had a comedic host opening for a rock star. And I recognized him. He was Bill Burr's opener from when I saw him at the Moda Center. So, like, I went, and no one cares about him because he's just a comic. So, I went up to Dean Del Rey after, and he was just sitting by the t-shirts. And I was like, hey, man, I recognize you. You're Bill Burr's opener. And then, like, I trapped it up with him about comedy for, like, 30 minutes. You know, and now we're, oh. we're fucking, we're, I'm sorry, got three. We're friends on Instagram, though. Me and Dean Del Rey, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the, the comedy world is smaller than we think. You know, like I don't think like moving up this ladder isn't as as, as crazy as we think it. Your is. friends on Instagram? He he added you on Instagram. I ooh, <laughs> I added him. I added him. He posted my stuff though. You know, and we talk. We've cool. messaged. Cool. We've DM'd each other. That's really cool. I want him to follow me back though. <laughs> Dean Del Rey, if you're one of these, how many people we have listening now? Uh, we have about four billion. So he might be four in billion. There. If yeah, you're yeah. out there, Dean, follow me back. <laughs> you know, it means a lot. That's really cool. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. You know, why won't yeah. Laugh PDX follow you back? You know, what's going on? Where's our respect, Milo? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're saying that. So you're saying yes, you can talk to higher tier comedians. Yes, I have. Yeah. I have twice. Well, it didn't work out with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle did not want to talk about comedy. It sounds like it did kind of work out. Though. It did. I shook him up. Yeah. I should. I brought him in for like the hug one, even. You know? Did Crazy. you? Did yes. you? <laughs> yes. I don't know if he wanted it, but I did it. <laughs> and wow. Dean Del Rey. Dean Del Rey's a higher comic than me, but I, you know, I chopped it up with him, and he was willing to talk about comedy with me for a little bit. Man, I can't. I can't even. I can't even fathom. Fathom sounds negative. I can't even believe that you. You you've you've embraced Chappelle. Yeah, I mean, I've he must fl- have rubbed some funny off on you. That's what I'm thinking. No, I, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, my, all see, it's this flippant attitude I have is mm-hmm. actually pretty useful. You know, I don't care. Flippant, I see. Flippant AF, you know, right? Not showing serious or respect. I mean, I respected him though. I did mm-hmm. respect Dave Chappelle though. But yeah, no, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool little scenario. Do you have a method of writing? I know it's kind of a crappy question. No, no, so. I do. I do. Because, like, the open mic, my open mic I run, I do. And it's the same thing I did when I ran Khalifa's. And, I mean, I try to write I try to write five jokes the night before every time. And that's like, I can't tell you my method. I just kind of pace around and, uh, you know, ponder. But it, I think forcing myself to write those jokes at, with a time constraint, it's kind of emulates, like, if you were to get a writing job. Right? They're going to be like, we need this many jokes from you in this time. You know, so I feel like emulating that helps me a little bit. But I can't say there's necessarily a, a like, I'll think about, like, I've thought I want to write a Milo joke right now. I've tried to write a Milo-style joke, you know? That's like, cool. like I think about styles of, like, I've tried to write a Norm MacDonald joke, like a long-form stupid joke. Like, I think about templates of jokes, and then I try to do my spin on it. Like, I'll think about a structure of a joke, and oh. I'll try and build off of that, you know? Yeah. 
here, I'll do that. Because I want to be diverse. Because I, like, I don't want to write one type of joke. I don't want to be a one-note comic. I want to be able to tell stories. I want to do one-liners. I want to be able to do, you know, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to evolve <clears throat> into to more stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How do you think, you know, one skill that I will really want to learn is crowd work. How does someone do crowd work? Mm. Do you have an answer to that? I'm not very good at it. I try it. I mean, I'm not that bad at it. Like, one time I took a week. Every I need to do it again, but I took a week where I didn't do any material. I was going to go up there and, and whatever I do, I do. You know, and I feel like that helped a lot. I interact with crowds though. Mm -hmm. I do. I'm not. I'm pretty good at talking to a crowd, making like making little jokes, doing my thing, and then coming back to my set. You know, I would say that like one of the best ways to do cloud work. Not one. Of the, I don't know anything, but I would say like doing your set because you have your set. You know what you're going to do. Like once you get it memorized, you do this joke, this joke, this joke. But it's like do this joke, talk to the couple people, go into the next joke. You know what I mean? Like being able to talk to people and then loop back to the set. I think is pretty important. Mm. You know, and that's also how like if you get if you have to do like thirty minutes and you got twenty minutes, like you're gonna have to mess with people. You know, you have to a little bit. Yeah. Like, how else are you going to do your 30? You know. But I, don't, I, like, truly don't know how to talk to people. You're funny naturally, dog. I don't know about that. Thank like, you. You're but... so goofy when you... <laughs> 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 no, just talk to him and see what yeah. happens. I don't know. Ask him questions. Have you ever been at, like, what do you do for... I don't like... Find different questions, though. Like, what... Yeah. You know, like think of because uh, I'll ask someone like, "What kind of drugs do you like?" or something, and mm -hmm. then see what they say. Like, what, what are you gonna say to that? Like, find weird questions that you're interested in, and like, if you're genuinely interested in what the stranger is gonna say, then that'll show. I feel like. Don't you think that? I I, I do agree. I, I feel like unique questions is the way to go. Mm -hmm. But I f but so many people from from new to to the mm -hmm. greats say, "What do you do for a living?" Yeah, they do. Because it's a fun question. It's interesting. Mm. I don't think it's bad to ask. I, I have. I've had someone tell me they were a porn star. Mm. I, also I asked, think I was there. Was that Dante's? Yeah, it was at Dante's. That dude <laughs> yeah, told me he had the handlebar mustache. I've asked people. Um, I like to ask people what their body count is, like how many people have they had mm -hmm. sex with. That's pretty funny. I've had someone, the bartender at Dante's. I practice crowd work at Dante's. I do. That's actually my favorite place to do it. That, that is the only place I try, but I, I don't really, I guess I don't really do crowd work. I just kind of uh, say, give me a word. And then you go, and ah. I go, ah, give me another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to me, but, yeah, sure, but I think it's a fun place to act. Like I asked the bartender, I asked, asked him how many people he said. He said uh, over a thousand. Like he's Wilt Chamberlain. Did he say that? Yes. And then I asked this blonde dude with a top knot. He said he was in a sex commune, a, a religious sex commune. And he said similar to the bartender. That's a fun question. Are you talking about the punk rock comic? No, the, completely just a random top knot <laughs> blonde dude. He was attractive. He looked he looked like young. And I was like, how many people you look like? You knock him down, buddy. What's going on with you? He said, I was in a sex commune. Sometimes it's like finding that gold. You know what I mean? It is important. Mm -hmm. Like finding what like how do you find because everyone has something interesting about them. Everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like finding that. I think that's the the art of crowd work. That I haven't fully discovered, but I'm trying to tap into it. You know, I feel like I'm... You're absolutely right. There is something in everyone that's interesting. And I, I feel like I used to, mm -hmm. like, just... In, in conversation, I used to be able to, like, talk to anyone and find a way to be interested in that person. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I can hardly even do small talk... Why? Let alone crowd work. Why? I don't know. What's wrong with you? I don't. I you don't think know. you're better than people because you do open mics? What's going on? No, literally, I think I'm worse <laughs> than people because I do open mics. <laughs> huh? When did that start? What's going on? I literally don't know, and it's getting worse. Huh? 
Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm getting worse and worse at conversations. Uh, you know what? Pandemic probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people did. Mm. Most people did. And we're young. You know, we, we were theoretically we're the most heavily affected. Not us, but I guess high schoolers were more affected. Mm -hmm. You know, but us. I don't know, man. You'll figure it out. Just keep talking to people. You know? Thank you. <laughs> Dig into them. Figure out what's going on. What's interesting. Some people are more willing to give the interesting things than others, I feel like. But how. How do you know, and, and you already said that you're not huh. uh, very experienced, but how do you know when to move on from someone? Like when you think you're not going to get anything else out of them? I mean, I'm work. not a, a, a crowd work veteran. I'm similar to you. Like I write jokes. Mm. I write jokes and I say the jokes how I wrote, 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 yeah. wrote them. Like that's how I do it. I don't really mess with people too often. I don't like making people mad. I think that kind of, I don't like, I don't think that's the point of comedy for me. I agree, but crowd work to me is is almost essential because it's it kind is. of it's it's that skill where you, if the room isn't having it, mm -hmm. like you gotta if, jump off. Yeah, you gotta talk to these people. If, if their energy is, <clears throat> is low, the main thing you have to do is say like, "How is everyone?" and mm -hmm. get them to go woo or whatever. Yeah, Give it important. up for this thing or whatever to get the energy up. But I feel like uh, another great way. It's kind of almost like a a gamble, I guess, to do crowd work because like, if it goes bad, then they're going to think like, "What? You can't even." I don't know, they mm -hmm. do this, but if it goes really well, it's kind of like, whoa, he just made something funny in the room right now. And those will be bigger laughs than your best jokes. Yes. A lot of the time. Yes. And that's what's kind of annoying. But it, I feel like that's so necessary to kind of, mm -hmm. like, if you're doing bad, just kind of be like, hey, I could be funny off the cuff, mm -hmm. make you guys laugh right now, and or let's get back. back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's really important. I um, Knowing, what, I think just getting the laugh. I don't like when people get the laugh and then keep going. That's when they'll lose the laugh, I feel like. Like, if you get a big laugh... Um, I feel like you got the attention on you now and you don't have to do crowd work. Unless your thing is crowd work, there's some comics that will just do crowd work and they'll get the big laugh and then move on to the next person. Or they'll get the big laugh and then dig a little deeper and then get a bigger laugh. But like you have to know when you hit that crescendo. You know, because like, mm -hmm. laughs have like, uh, like you can tell, like when you do you listen to your audio? Like do you, do you record your sets like that? Not lately, but I do l record them all, yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like listening to those laughs and knowing what those laughs mean. It's like, I think that's what a veteran comic would know. Like, you mm -hmm. know, like, this laugh is when I need to get off and either move on to the next person or get into my jokes. That's what I would think. You know. Well, right now we're halfway through the show. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of playing a song to take a little break. What do mm -hmm. you What do you think? Yeah, man, cool. All right. Lucas Cop will be right back. Yes, sir. Zero with Milo Loza. We're going to play Butcher Brown's Liquid Lights. I like that. I can't Please. Believe, can't believe what? I've already cussed three times. I know. You got to... You really got to tone it down. I'm going to tone it down. Sorry. <laughs> this is Liquid Light. Liquid Light. Welcome back to Ear Ape with Milo Loza. This is Ear Ape. Welcome back to Ear Ape. Welcome back. This is Ear Ape with Milo Loza. I'm here. I'm sitting here with a local Portland comedian, oh my God, Lucas Cop. He looks like he has something to say. What's up? What's I up got nothing to say, man. You're just a monster. What's, uh, what's the next question? I'm ready for the next question. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I'd like to ask uh, is on your open mic that you have. You mm -hmm. kind of mentioned it a second ago. You have a... Oh, yeah, you run open mic, and you're also running at least one show. Mm -hmm. um, what? How do you how do you start an open mic? Mm. How do you start a show? What's the difference? Uh, logistically, it was a little hard. The open mic was harder than the show. The open mic we had to because we were trying to convince comedy is kind of rough, especially in Portland. I think people are kind of scared of comedy, you know, because I think it has a has a bad rap a little bit you know especially with recent news and stuff and we're a very liberal state city 
and uh, people don't want to make things, they don't want anything crazy happening at their bars or their shows or whatever. So for uh, the one in Montevilla, we actually, me and my DJ, we went over there for like four months. We'd pop up like once every three weeks, every two weeks and ask if we could do it. When are we going to be able to do it? It was like a three, four month process of asking this lady if we could do it. And the most I just said, I'll do it for free the first two weeks. And then just to show you that I can get people in there. And then after that, I need to be paid. And that was my deal. And then, you know, we did it the first two weeks and it was popping. And now, and then I got in contact with the owner of the bar. So, but it took like three or four months of trying to convince these people that comedy was a viable option. And then the show, I just happened to know that bar owner because she cheerleaded with my older sister and my older sister put me in contact with her Mm. and she was just down. It was crazy. But you used to run a open mic and at least one show that I know of at Khalifa. Yeah. I ran a show at Khalifa's uh, weed bar. How was that? Is that pretty much the same thing? Where you're... It was fun, but I also kind of... I mean, maybe I could put these guys on blast right now, but I, I, that running that show, I feel like every time you run shows, you're going to learn about business. Because comedy is more... It's not just an art form. It's business. It's getting people to come watch us do whatever stupid things we do. Mm. You know? And, uh, and also you learn that comics are treated with a little less respect than I feel like other art forms would be. You know what I mean? Because we're just talking, theoretically. You know? But so I was doing that Khalifa show... And uh, it was fun, but I never got paid for it. They were paying the DJ. I went over there to do, because the DJ was just doing an open mic by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, I could host this and I can make this dope and I can promote it. And I started getting people there. I started getting comics to come out and they just kept paying the DJ, but never paid me, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I did the show and uh, the, they said they'd pay me money to, they pay me to pay the comics and then they pay me as well. And at the end of the and I was, you know, I, I smoked weed. Mm-hmm. I smoked weed. So I paid all my comics at the end. And then I forgot to collect my money, and I remember calling the guy at the end, and I was like, hey, man, uh, I got my money. I got the comics paid, but I never got my money. He's like, what do you mean? I gave you the money. I was like, what are you talking about? You gave me the money to pay the comics. You know that. He's like, no, I don't know that. Honestly, the comics didn't even deserve to get paid. They didn't even bring anyone to the show. I don't know why. What do you want from me? And it was just like that idea, like him saying comics, the comics didn't deserve to get paid because they didn't bring your audience. It's on you to bring the audience. You're the business. I'm bringing the show. You bring the people to come to the show. That's how it should work. And just him saying, like, they didn't deserve... He, that was a quote. They didn't deserve to be paid. And that made me furious. I can't believe someone would say that. You know, because, I, like, I love you guys. We're comics. We work hard. We cry about this. Like, this is not... Like, it's a, it's ironic, but we're very serious about funny business. You know what I mean? We're serious about these jokes. Yeah. And it just irritated me. So I, I, I quit, and I said, I'm not working with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they, uh, they quickly... They shut down three days later. It was very vindicating for me. They're back now, though. You know, they got bought out by somebody else. But mm. at the time, that's how that happened. So I think every time you work with these businesses, you're going to learn a little bit about the game, you know, theoretically. But yeah, those are the logistics so far. How did you choose to, uh, like Montevilla, why, mm-hmm. why did you keep pressuring them for months to do this there? I knew it was in a really good location. I know it's in a dope, it's in a neighborhood where, uh, like, the community is really connected in that neighborhood. Um, it's in my neighborhood. Like it's only 10 minutes, seven minutes away from me. So I can go straight there. Jinx are cheap, has a nice stage, has good lighting. Um, I just, I think everything, I could just tell like it would be a really good place for a show for an open mic, especially I just knew. Mm. So, and I like, there were other places, like I had like four other places I was trying. Like I knew I wanted an open mic. I knew I wanted one. Cause I think hosting makes you better at comedy in my opinion. Because you have to deal with so much. And you're also, like, under pressure of, like, comics coming up to you. And then you got to go up and make a little remark and then bring up the next person. Mm-hmm. And you do it for hours. You're on stage for hours. 
yeah. you know and i think that makes you better and i really wanted that like i wanted that pressure for like this, at least these beginning phases of whatever this career is you yeah. know and this new monoville would be a good one what have you learned from hosting so far yeah i've learned um comics are needy and i'm here to oblige those needs a little bit i think i've learned um like i said you have to abandon your jokes you know, like when you're hosting, you see these people, you'll see the same people every week. So I can't get up there and be like, hi, my name's Lucas Cop. That's a rough name to have in Portland. Might as well be Lucas Question the Vaccine. They've heard that joke. So I got to I gotta just riff. Like it forces you to riff and it also makes you more comfortable on stage. I'm very comfortable on stage right now. Like when I'm on stage, I'm fine. And I think hosting has done a lot for that. You know? You're saying uh, you're, you're, unco- you're, you're comfortable on stage right now because of hosting? I think because you're on stage so often. And you you're saying like during hosting you're comfortable or mm-hmm. it, like in general like you've you've reached a place where you're now comfortable yeah yeah wow. yeah and I think hosting has helped that a lot because it's like you think about you wait an hour to get on stage for f- three to five minutes mm-hmm. I'm on like I'm on stage in the beginning for five to ten and then I bring with the first person and then I'm back on stage for three hours I'm on stage for three hours and then I like I like to talk you know what the ten thousand hour rule is. Have you ever uh, heard about that? That's when you become a professional at something? Yeah, like it takes 10,000 hours to master any given thing. I don't know how real that is, but I mean, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you're going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why comedy in general, it takes a really long time for people to get, like people don't blow up until they've been doing comedy for a decade. Mm-hmm. Like That's typically the rule. You have to be doing comedy for 10 years. You know, and I think that's because we get our 10,000 hours five minutes at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that just makes it way harder for us. But I feel like this is kind of streamlining that. When I use that thinking. Well, I don't know. Def- there's definitely like writing and stuff. That writing is, contributes yeah. to it. But yeah, you're right. Definitely hosting <clears throat> expedites the mm-hmm. time that you're getting through that. Cause, I mean, writing, but it's like, um, it's a, I don't want to say his name. I, I like to credit him for this joke, though. But it's uh, like writing or comedy is not like any other art form. Because like you're a guitar player, you can go to your room and practice notes you know but it's like when you get on stage though you're not going to mess up a note and come off as anti-semitic you know what i mean the only way for us to practice is on stage that's the only way like a a painter can paint in their room a rapper can rap all day and just post it online we have to write the joke yes but then we have to take it to the stage you don't know if a joke is a joke until you do it on stage like we need this audience to even do what we do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i think it just makes it way harder for us to rack up those those hours Mm -hmm. you know um, is is there a difference to creating a show compared to an open mic? Yeah. What is it? show is much more serious. A show is like an open mic. I don't care if you play pool. I don't care if you're talking a little bit. Like I still want to create the atmosphere of like this is a uh, art form. You know, kind of like when I remember when I yelled at those those bar patrons about this is art. Kind of. <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, it is. But an open mic is different than a show. You want to create a professional atmosphere. I want people to feel like this is like I paid to get in here. I take it like when people pay to get in, you got to take it deadly serious. Like I don't want talking out with disruptions. I want people to be able to sit back and enjoy a show. Mm-hmm. An open mic, like honestly, if stuff goes wrong, I let you guys deal with it. I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, good luck, brother. Right. You know, I think that's hilarious. You're taking your, your I don't know, your beatings. But a show, I don't, I want, that's the, I want to set up my comics for the best, best chance of being successful possible on a show. And an open mic, I don't really care. I care. Like, I want to set you guys up, but I also think it's funny to watch things go wrong. Show, I don't want to see anything go wrong. I panic when things go wrong. Like, when that show, when the curtain fell, Mm -hmm. when the curtain fell, I had a curtain. I built a curtain. I built a backdrop for this show. And, uh, yeah, the curtain crumbled. Fell on top of my headliner. Right. That's rough. But it was that the perfect time. It was pretty funny. 
Last week, Lucas ran a show that I uh-huh. was a part of, and during the headlining set, the last person on stage, well, there was someone after, but mm-hmm. the last comic on stage, the curtain fell on them. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I hated that. I hate. It was funny, but I hated it. Like, if that happened in an open my atmosphere, ha, 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 mm-hmm. you know, but in a show, it made me upset. I hated that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want to create an aura of professionalism with a with a show i still want that for the open mic like the open mic kind of has it mm-hmm. but I, I it's like half of that you know what i mean is but is there a difference to creating the show like like mm-hmm. is it pretty much the same process of going to the person like hey i want to do this can i use this place yeah can you give me money for honestly it? yeah but i think it's easier to sell a show because it's less of a commitment the open mics weekly Mm. theoretically it can be bi-weekly or whatever but like it's going to be more consistent if it's an open mic a show i think it's less of a commitment i'm just going to come here once a month and do a show like like i want to there's a bar like two blocks away Mm. from here that i i've i've seen they have Mm -hmm. a little stage i think it'd be kind of nice for an open mic Mm. uh college students come in and out so Mm. audience potential Mm -hmm. uh I'd like to start one there, maybe someday. What would I tell them? You gotta have a pitch, because I remember. Who, sorry, who? But who do I? Who do I pitch it to? Come up, talk to the bar person, and be like, "I'm interested in doing a show here. Who should I talk to? Is who's the booker? Most bars have a booker, you know. So you want to either you want to talk to talk to the bartender and get an email, and emails look more professional than DMs or or texts. Yes, you know. So you want to email their booker. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing, and then have something written well. You know, use big words. <laughs> Not too big, but like have a concise plan and write out your concise, like make it sound good. Yeah. You know, that's the main thing. Most of the, like, it's just optics. The, the plan being like, I'll show up, I'll. I want to do it once a week at this time, at this day. Um, you have to show, say, be confident in yourself too. Like, I'm going to get people there. I'm going to get people to come to your place once a week at mm-hmm. this time. I asked them, when I went to ask the Montevilla, I was like, uh, what's your slowest day? What's your slowest day? Give me that day. I'll make it popping. Wow. You know, that was my, that's my uh, pitch. Just give me your slowest day. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good way because it's business. Mm-hmm. You know, even like the regulars hate our Montevilla mic. They don't like my Tuesday mic because that was their day. It was a slow day. There'd be like five dudes that come in and listen to their music and, and just sit there and drink cheap drinks. Mm-hmm. But now I'm here annoying them. Hilarious. And they're not going to side with the regulars, even though the regulars have been there for years. They're going to side with me because I bring the money in. Mm-hmm. The money, the side, people are always going to side with the money. So if you're bringing audience members in, you know, yeah. if you, if you give the, the promise, not the promise, but like the expectation of bringing people in and bringing money in, then they should be on your side and they should be down. That's true. When you told me that there's like five regulars that usually show up, mm-hmm. I was thinking, damn, there's like 30 of us comics mm-hmm. 40 coming in and out mm-hmm. and and some are buying a drink or two and that's mm-hmm. definitely more than those five that's yeah no yeah that's that's an amazing pitch to a bar definitely no and that is the pitch yes if you say i'm gonna get 15 to 30 comics every week mm-hmm. and we're degenerates we all drink probably half the other half are AA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i uh, do you you You've been to a few comedy communities, mm. and you've done even a sh- at least one show in another yeah. place. How do you... I'm, I'm going home this December. Going where? Do you think it's too late... Uh, Bay Area. Uh-uh. Do you think it's too late for me to reach out to someone and ask mm. to be on a show, and how do I do that? Find their Facebook comic page. Mm-hmm. 
you know, now we're just getting into logistics. We lost one, but yeah, good. <laughs> but find uh, the find you guys four million other people. We do millions. You you have, <laughs> we're not mad about one. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you find uh, San Francisco. You said. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I, the Bay Area Comedy this Bay Network Area. is the Facebook page. Yeah, go to the Facebook page and post on it. Do you have a clip? Like, I, you think I should just post? You'd be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a local. I'm coming home. I'm a Portland comic now. Uh, I would love to hop on any shows if anybody has any opportunities. And then post your uh, five-minute clip, whatever clip you got. Is that allowed? Because I feel like most places don't allow you to just kind of be like, hey, I'm from this place. and They do. They, they do? Because you're interesting just because you're from somewhere else. Okay. You know, that's even like when I went to Arizona, I was able to hop on a show just because I'm from Portland. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's insight. Like, it's, uh, it's just interesting because you're going to get on less. You'll find that you'll get on less shows in your home city than you will in other cities. Mm. I mean, you mean that because this is my home city. You mean where you start from? Yeah, where you started comedy, you know, because mm -hmm. people, I don't know. I feel like it's like. I mean, this is kind of my spiteful idea on it, but I feel like I didn't get booked as much initially because people saw me get better. Like, I'm good now, but they think about when I first started. And I feel like the idea of me possibly getting better than them makes them nervous. It makes them not want to book me as much. But when you go somewhere else, you're already at the level you're at. So they can't, they're not thinking about you surpassing them. They're thinking about you being funny and I can put you on. Mm -hmm. You know, but here it's like, I mean, this is kind of crazy to say, but I mean, it's, this is how I feel a little bit. But it's like I started bad and people saw me bad. I bombed. I said crazy things. And then that's what people, I think that's what was their core memory of me because it's like first impressions mean everything. But I've put in the hours. I put in the work. I, I write and I'm good. I know I'm good. And I'm just not, I'm, I think I'm better than some people. Anyway, I think it's like, see, I think that's why it's harder to get booked in your home city because people saw the progress, but people don't always acknowledge progress. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is frustrating to see to see where I started and to see like I'm better now, mm -hmm. and to see someone that I consider worse than me mm -hmm. getting booked consistently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Look at those spiteful <laughs> comics in the booth. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do you th do you think a comedian can make it in Portland? Yeah. Comics have. Like, there's full time comedians living here. Yeah. Um. What's his name? Um. Why don't I know his name? I know Kinane's around. Kyle Kinane. He lives in Vancouver. He lives here? Yeah, he lives in Vancouver. Wow. Jeff Richards lives here. He's pretty famous. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a couple other guys. There's some people that made it. I would say you should leave Portland. Mm. If you really, I, my idea is like I plan on becoming really good in Portland, one of the best in Portland, and then leaving. Yeah. You know, I think that's what, uh, I don't know if we can say Jake Silverman's name, but he's kind of the public eye now. He's got, you know, he left. He went to New York. He drove from here to New York. He just hits things. Sure, but that's not really making it in Portland. That's kind no. Of, I mean, I, it's starting in Portland, but like, then I don't necessarily. No, I don't think you can make it in Portland. Where do you think are the places to move? Um, I would. I don't think Hollywood's it anymore. I don't think going to Los Angeles is it anymore. So. I'm thinking either New York or Austin. I would think New York and Austin too. I would say New York, Austin, any bit. I would go to Philadelphia. I actually want to go to Philly. Mm. I think that's why I'm going to move. Okay. Yeah, I really like Philly too. Big old city. You know, it's all that was like the Democrat. Like when I went to Philly, it was like the first city I've ever been where it was like uh, walking down the sidewalk. It was like just the people in the streets. It was like half black people, half white people. And I thought that was crazy to even see. You know, I thought that was tough. It was dope. It was interesting. I feel like having those those multiple demographics will just spread out who you are more. Like I think it'll make your set better because you're just you're not just playing for one person or one group of people. You know. I have one last question I'd like to mm -hmm. stuff in here. Please do. What do you think about posting social media 
uh, posting comedy onto social media? It's hard because I think about it a lot. I post a lot of stuff. I do post a lot of clips. Um, I actually I have throwaway jokes because I I went through because I, I posted jokes from my actual set before, and they, even if they do, I went through and deleted them all because like my fear is like I promote things on my Instagram page, so I don't want them to see a joke I did on my Instagram page and then come pay to watch me do a show and then see me do that joke. Like yeah. I have this weird thing about it. Like because people say like you're burning material a little bit, I guess, mm. but you also aren't. Like I've seen comics post things and then do the joke. It's yep. weird. It's a weird uh, thing to play with. I th- I I think. I used to try to do it just because I heard Mark Norman say last year mm. that the modern comedian should be focusing 50% on on comedy and 50% on social media. Yeah. Because that is that important to be promoting yourself. Yeah. But then again, I also think I'm still crappy. Like, I'm, I'm one year old. Mm. I don't really need to be kind of putting my crap out there. And, and also, it, it almost solidifies the joke. Uh, it feels like you kill it a little bit when you post it. Yeah, kind of where like I can't really. I, I could write more to it, but it's kind of it's more solid in my head. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of like that's the joke is done. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but this past week, I, I actually I think I, I listened to you, you and, and Juan this mm-hmm. week. I listened to you guys mm-hmm. uh, on his YouTube channel, and Juan said he he posted stuff and. Uh, people came out to open mics to watch him in Portland. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That is absolutely insane to me because I think of it as social media is being seen by random people around the country. Uh, so who cares? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think... Th- there is a couple comics around Portland that kind of have social media fame. Mm-hmm. But like, was it done? It's true. No, I mean, it will get you booked. It will get you booked. 100% will get you booked. If you have 20,000 followers, they'll book you just because. Why? Because you opt. That's why I was saying earlier. Com- comedy show business is about optics. So it's like, do you look like you know what you're doing? And then you'll get booked. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if you got 20,000 followers, you're confident in that you want to get booked and you're ready to do a show, you'll get booked for things. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you look good. It's about looking good in this business. That's an interesting answer because I thought you were going to say it'll it'll get more people to come out. Uh, like that, because mm-hmm. the kind of the reason you per, you booked that um, the headliner last week, you said it'll help people to come out, and I, I assume you mean that they have followers that are gonna yeah come out from that. Also, like I also like I tailored that uh, that lineup for my audience. I knew it was like a, it was a, a black audience full of women. It was like a black woman audience. Mm-hmm. It's like I got y'all. I'm gonna make you guys laugh with my people. <laughs> you know, like I tailored the lineup, and I knew they would like her a lot. You know, so that's another reason I picked her. I feel like black people and women are my my worst demographic. You did great. They loved <laughs> you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, we're about out of time. We are? Okay. Do you have any last things you'd like to say about yourself, about community, about um, The clip thing. I don't know. I don't know if I'm done talking about no, these clips. Talk as, you have three minutes. I have three minutes? Okay, mm-hmm. that's stressful. Um, the clips. I have puzzled. Well, I've heard, like, you know, Stavos is. You ever listened to him before? Yeah, he's hilarious. But he's like, he remember I remember him saying like comedy has turned into thirty second clips, and like that's kind of something we have to attack. Yes, like if you just think about the way people consume comedy nowadays, people don't watch specials as much. Specials are getting shorter. There aren't as many hour specials coming out. They're forty five minutes, thirty minutes because people's attention spans are going down. Like that's real. Yeah, and you kind of have to work with that. It is. It is stressful to think that we're almost. 
com- comedians are becoming content making machines instead mm-hmm. of like uh, like quality yeah. stand up. Yeah, it's true, and that's it's almost scary and almost. Uh, hmm. It's so I don't I don't even know I don't know I don't know what to say about it. We got one minute left. Yeah, you know we can't talk about <laughs> it. We'll talk about it later. Um, right, thank you thank, so much. I really appreciate this. Um, uh, I'd like to have you on some other time if 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 I can figure out how to get you a second. Like I don't have much right, more questions, but yeah. yes, I'd like to have you on. I love ear ape. Do you? Yeah, I love it. You hear that ear rapists? Do you really call them out? <laughs> what did you just say? I can't say the F word. All right, everyone. What well, thank the hell you for is listening. going on? <laughs> this has been Eerie with Milo Loza. I thank you. <laughs> it is 11.58 p.m. 